Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. It's super great that you joined us for this episode. Hey, let me tell you, in spite of big tech's attempts over the last few months to block people from hearing this, somehow, with the help of God, <laughs> we broke through and more people listened to This Week in the Word last week than have listened in about four months. So let's keep that up. I want you to blast this episode out to everybody you know, and I want you to follow it or subscribe yourself and urge others to do the same thing. Well, you've uh, found your way to This Week in the Word, and what we do is we go through passages of the Bible. Now, we're in a series called What's Next? That's not a question. I'm telling you what the Bible says is next. What's next? And this episode is entitled The Wannabe, and this is for Sunday, 7 February, in the year 2021, and we're going to have a great time today. Now, I just, I'm excited that God's at work and more people are listening, but I need your prayers and your help with that. Fight back. <laughs> Be part of the Christian resistance to the secular world that's being created. But you know, those of you who've been with us for a few episodes might be asking important questions like, what about the rapture? What about the mark of the beast? What about the second coming? You haven't talked about those things. Hey, you have to take driver's ed before you race in the Daytona 500, all right? So if we're, if we're going to land a large C5A starlifter on an airfield, we've got to be building an airfield that can support that. Um, right now, the truth of you, uh, truth is, is that many of you don't have a runway large enough to land a Piper Cub on. So what we're doing is we're laying the foundation, the groundwork right now, so that when we get into these other subjects in the coming weeks, and we may be in this for a few months, we'll see, that you'll be able to understand it and more importantly, act upon it and share it with others because you have a greater understanding. And if you already understand all of that, what are you listening to this for? You should do your own podcast and help get the word out, right? Now, I want you to know something. Daniel, the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, is the most attacked book in the Bible for a reason. Daniel is revealing the truth that Satan is concealing about Bible prophecy. When you understand the book of Daniel, you will understand the book of the Revelation. Daniel is the key to Bible prophecy. Now, the Bible predicts a coming world leader that Christ judges at his return. In truth, this future world leader, he's just a wannabe, a sock puppet wannabe for Lucifer, who is the wannabe whom Christ will finally judge before eternity begins. And if you remember some of your Bible, you remember that Lucifer was the 
worship leader, so to speak, in heaven who led in the praise of God, but he was a created being just like all of the angels are created. He was created by Christ, but he rebelled against the Lord Jesus Christ, against the Father, against the Holy Spirit, and he wants to be worshiped as God. But, you know, he's just the wannabe, and his days are actually numbered. Bible prophecy has several double fulfillments. Let me explain what that is. It has a short-term fulfillment and then a long-term ultimate fulfillment. I'll give you a great example. Christ presenting himself as Israel's Messiah. If you think about it carefully, when the Lord Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, he presented himself as Israel's Messiah on the very day, prophetically, that they should have been looking for him. But he was rejected. He was tried and uh, crucified. He died and he rose again the third day, ascended to heaven. But he's going to present himself again as Israel's Messiah in the second coming when Israel is just about to be annihilated and the remnant of Israel will turn to Jesus as Messiah. So you see, that's a double fulfillment, the short term and then the long term. And the reason I told you all that is for this purpose. In the passage I'm about to read from Daniel, we're going to read about Antiochus Epiphanes, but he is the short term fulfillment of the ultimate Antichrist. So we have a historical fulfillment, but there will be a greater future fulfillment in the Antichrist, uh, a part of what we're going to see right here. And I have to read this today so that what what I was planning to study today in Daniel 9 will make even more sense to you. Because if we just broke in without you knowing some of this, it, it would, you just wouldn't have the, uh, the basis to fully understand you know, the larger truth we're going to see today. So let's read from Daniel chapter 8, and we're only going to read verses 15 to 27, where Daniel's had a vision, but he doesn't understand it. And it's going to be explained to him But we're going to see uh, right here that even though the historical fulfillment um, that, that we know of, historically looking back, has occurred, a a deeper or greater fulfillment is coming in the future in the Antichrist. Now to confuse you even more, when Daniel understands this vision as it's explained to him, to Daniel, it was still future, okay? Can you, can you keep all that straight? So it hadn't happened yet, but he was told the future before it occurred. But that future fulfillment, which we look back at now as having been fulfilled, foreshadows a greater fulfillment in the Antichrist that you, you have heard of. All right. Enough of me talking. Let's look at the Word of God. Daniel 8, 15 to 27. 
And it came to pass when I, even I, Daniel, had seen the vision and sought for the meaning, then, behold, there stood before me as the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uli, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was afraid and fell upon my face. But he said unto me, Understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall be the vision. Now, as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep on my face toward the ground. But he touched me and set me upright. And he said, Behold, I will make thee know what shall be in the last end of the indignation. For at the time appointed, the end shall be. The ram which thou sawest, having two horns, are the kings of Media and Persia. And the rough goat is the king of Grecia. So you have to go back into world history and read about the history of the Medo-Persian Empire, which the most prominent uh, king in the Bible there was Cyrus, relating to that empire. And then the kingdom of Greece, well, we know historically that's Alexander the Great. And then when he died, his kingdom was divided among his four generals. All right. So just keep that in mind as I uh, read this again. And he said, Behold, I will make thee know what shall be in the last end of the indignation. For at the time appointed, the end shall be. The ram which thou sawest, having two horns, are the kings of Media and Persia. And the rough goat is the king of Grecia. And the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. So that would be Alexander, right? Now that being broken, you remember he died when he was, I think it was 28 or 32, very young. But he had conquered the known world within, I think, 12 years. Unheard of. So that he's speaking here in verse 21 about Alexander. All right, go to verse 22 in Daniel 8. Now that being broken, whereas four stood up for it, four kingdoms shall stand up out of the nation, but not in his power. In other words, they won't be as, as strong as Alexander was. Verse 23, And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up and his power shall be mighty but not by his own power and he shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people well, that would be the Jewish people right Daniel's people and through his policy also, he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. And that may mean that um, deception and so forth is just a part of how he operates. And he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. Now, I take that to mean that what we just read here, although 
the uh, you have to read back earlier in chapter 8, I'm going to put that on you to read back, that it was talking initially about Antiochus Epiphanes, who was a great enemy of the Jewish people. Even though it's talking about him in the near term, we see a change here as Gabriel explains the vision that it has an even greater fulfillment and the one that I believe we normally refer to as the Antichrist. So look at it this way. Antiochus Epiphanes was a um, foreshadowing of the greater Antichrist. All right? Is that, does that make sense to you? All right, now, we see that it can't just be Antiochus Epiphanes because the one spoken of here in verse 25 actually stands up against the prince of princes. And I would say that is the Lord Jesus Christ. But he shall be broken without hand. <laughs> Christ just destroys him. Verse 26. Now, listen. This is why I think this is ultimately foreshadowing the Antichrist. Because listen to what Gabriel says. And the vision of the evening and the morning, which was told, is true. Wherefore, shut thou up the vision, for it shall be for many days. And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick certain days. Afterward, I rose up and did the king's business. And I was astonished at the vision, but none understood it. So I think that Gabriel was telling Daniel that even though there would be future to Daniel, one that we know of as Antiochus Epiphanes, a great enemy of the people of God in Israel, that ultimately it foreshadowed an even greater enemy, this, this wannabe sock puppet, in essence, which would be the Antichrist, who is the sock puppet wannabe for the ultimate wannabe, Satan, Lucifer, who wants to rule the world. He wants the worship of God, but he can never have it because he's not God. He is merely a created being, an angel, and, um, and, and he could never possibly be God. And so we see here that Daniel, you know, if you're saying, I don't know if I understand this, Daniel had a hard time understanding this. <laughs> Because the last part, Daniel says, and I was astonished at the vision, but none understood it. It's so massive and panoramic and expansive. Now, when Daniel is given this vision, he's, he's now an aged prophet of God. Many estimate that Daniel is in his early to mid or even late 80s. He's an old man. But his greatest personal test is still future. And that would be being thrown into the lion's den, literally. And by the way, a great book on Daniel, the book being attacked and how to defend that, was written by Josh McDowell. And guess what he entitled it? Daniel in the Critics' Den. And it's, it's well worth reading. But the story of Daniel being thrown alive into the lion's den for praying only to God, and you know that story, that 
story is still future, I believe, at this point to Daniel. It hasn't happened yet, but he's already in his 80s. Daniel is spiritually broken over the sin of his people and the destruction of his nation. And we're going to see that here in a few moments when we read in Daniel 9, okay? Daniel is pouring over, he's reading Jeremiah's prophecies, which he probably first heard literally Jeremiah give as a teenager when he lived in Jerusalem shortly before the fall of Jerusalem to the Babylonians when Jeremiah was was prophesying against the sin of Jerusalem and of Judah. And I believe it's very possible that Daniel heard Jeremiah in person. And Daniel has been reading over Jeremiah's prophecies again now in his, his 80s. And I'm going to read probably what Jeremiah, well, we know for sure this is what he read because uh, the angel is going to explain this a little more to him. So Daniel read Jeremiah 25, 11, and this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Wow. So before Jerusalem fell, Jeremiah prophesied on the authority of God that Jerusalem would fall to Babylon and the Jewish people would be carried exile into Babylon to be servants and slaves there. And they would be in captivity in Babylon for 70 years, not 66 years, not, um, not 90 years, but 70 years, very specific and then in Jeremiah 29, 10 through 13, uh, Daniel no doubt read these words as well. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I cause you to be carried away captive. So God promises the Jewish people, even before Jerusalem falls, that as a consequence of their sin and a punishment of their sin, the nation would go into exile, but he would bring them back. And it would be how long? 70 years. And Daniel was old enough to realize that he must be approaching somewhere close to that 70 years, and Israel might 
um, the Jewish people might soon be returned back to Jerusalem and to Israel. So he's, he's really seeking the Lord about this at this time, to know more and to understand more. Now you might ask yourself, well, why did God allow them to be conquered and, and exiled? Well, number one, they deserved it. And God had already told his people that if his people turned their backs on God, this is what would happen. So he had to keep his word. And you know what else, though? When Israel went into exile, Judah specifically, went into exile, into Babylon, and the and other, you know, over time, uh, all uh, the, man, I'm getting all mixed up here. Judah went into captivity in Babylon, but the Assyrian Empire had taken Israel, the ten tribes, into captivity. So the Jewish people are scattered all over the world at this point when Daniel is reading all of this, right? Well, God would, said he would bring them back. But you know what the Lord did? Is he completely erased idolatry from Israel. Perhaps they never fully practiced their religion before or after exactly like they should have. But one thing happened after they had been taken into captivity. They were done with idolatry. Does that make sense to you? So when God lets you go through hard times, is to get stuff out of your life that shouldn't be there and put stuff there that should be. So, so God has been working a great work in Israel, and maybe he's working in your life too at this point. All right. Daniel has lived to see the second part of his image dream in Daniel chapter 2, He's lived to see the Babylonians fall, and he's lived to see the Medo-Persian Empire take over the Babylonian Empire. It, it fell in one night virtually without a battle. <laughs> uh, the proverbial, without a shot being fired, Babylon fell overnight, literally on a night. The Medo-Persians took over the Babylonian Empire. So Daniel is now living in the Medo-Persian Empire under King Cyrus. All right, now um, we're going to read here in a moment about Darius, the son of Ahasuerus. It is believed that Darius, although I, I have no problem that he could have been someone that Cyrus appointed over, um, over Babylon specifically, but another view is that Darius may be a title like Pharaoh or Caesar, like Caesar Augustus. You know, Caesar wasn't his name. Augustus was his name, but Caesar was a title. A Pharaoh had a name, but he would be Pharaoh whoever. So it, Darius could be a title that Cyrus carried, but it could also have been someone uh, that exercised power on behalf of Cyrus. It doesn't matter. We're going to read what happens here in a moment. So now, Daniel is a true believer, is navigating the complexities of life under a new pagan regime. He had pretty much gotten down how to get along in Babylon, and now there's a there's a new king in town, Cyrus. 
and the Medo-Persians, and he's, he's got to understand how do I stay true to God and navigate this new regime. Some of you may be wondering that very thing in America right now. Daniel knows God is real and seeks his truth about his people and his city and his temple. Daniel still follows true biblical faith and worship, even though the temple and the sacrifices no longer existed. Has that ever hit you as you read Daniel? Um, I don't know if I assume maybe as a, a boy and maybe a young teen, he had been to the temple before the Babylonians conquered Jerusalem, but I mean, once they conquered it, there was no more temple, temple worship and sacrifices. But notice, and you'll see this, Daniel is praying at the time of the evening sacrifice. Isn't that interesting? Hey, no matter how hard it gets, you and I can still be true to our biblical faith and worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Daniel could do it. We can do it. Daniel discovers that the time is rapidly approaching for the literal fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Daniel is blessed with a panoramic and detailed view of future world history and future prophetic fulfillment. And here's a theme that I want you to pay attention to. Daniel has just been focusing on the 70 years at, at which once Israel had been in exile for 70 years, God would miraculously return them to Jerusalem, which he did through Cyrus. So 70 years were up. Cyrus was moved by God to send them back to Jerusalem. Well, Daniel's been focusing on that. But we're going to see that God says, Daniel, I'm going to show you more about the 70 years but I'm also going to show you about 70 weeks of years. And now we go to Daniel 9, verses 1 through 27. And you know what? Put a gold star right now uh, <laughs> on your calendar or something. You deserve it because you stayed with me so far in this study, week by week, and even in this episode. And, and you are really trying, and the Lord's going to bless you right now. Daniel 9, verses 1 through 27. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Verse 3, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments." 
Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day, to the men of Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them, because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil is come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, thou hast brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and hast gotten thee renowned as at this day. We have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now, therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee 
for our righteousnesses, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake, O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. And whilst I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the Most Holy. Now, what's in verse 24 would be several episodes all by themselves. So we're not going to go into detail there now. But go to verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation. And that determined be poured upon the desolate. Now let's break this out right here. You remember Daniel was praying about this 70 years, and the Lord did in fact fulfill that, and 70 years after Israel had been taken captive and they were exiled in Babylon, 
when the Medo-Persian Empire conquered Babylon, Cyrus was now the new king. Cyrus was raised up specifically by God to enable the Jewish people to return to Jerusalem, rebuild the city, rebuild the wall, and then ultimately the temple would be rebuilt. And so we see that that includes that that first week of years. So um, each day represents um, seven years. That's 49 years, right? And you math majors can start adding this up. So then from that point, when when that was done, then there were 62 more weeks of years. So when you add up the that first week and the 62, that's um, 63 weeks of years, right? Are you following me on this? So that's 483 years later that, that all of this is going to be fulfilled. But here's the thing. When in verse 25 so we see, uh, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. So how many weeks is, is that? 63, right? But these are weeks of years. So that's 483 years. And people who are way better in math than I am have worked this out uh, with calendars and all of that to show without doubt that when the Lord Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem on that donkey and presented himself as the Messiah to Jerusalem, that the Jewish leaders, if they'd have been following what Daniel wrote right here, they should have known the exact day that Jesus Christ would present himself as Messiah. But they, they missed it, and, and they rejected it at the same time. They rejected him. All right, so that accounts for 483 years. And we see that, uh, uh, what does it say? Let's see, um, verse 26. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. That is, the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified, right? He was killed but not for himself. That is, he didn't die for his own sin because he was sinless, right? He's, he's God in human form. So he wasn't put to death for anything that he had done wrong because he had done no wrong. And he had been examined by the Jewish leaders and indeed by his disciples for three years of public ministry and nobody could, could truthfully say that he was a sinner. Jesus died innocently, but he died for you and me that our sins, he would take them upon himself and pay for them as a sinless sacrifice for our sins. Are you getting that? Now, so Messiah is cut off, right? So that fulfills the 483 prophetic years or uh, 69 weeks of years. All right, hang with me here. Don't bail now. (laughs) All right, back to verse 26. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now, we know Antiochus Epiphanes did this. 
um, back in, uh, and I'm just throwing out a date here, like one, the 180s uh, BC, you know, something like that. I don't, I don't know the exact date, but you can look it up. But it that was just a first fulfillment of what the Antichrist is going to do ultimately, uh, still yet future to us. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So remember that after the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified, buried, and resurrected and ascended back to heaven, uh, just we're going to say roughly 30 A.D., in 70 A.D., the Romans came and wiped out Jerusalem and, and destroyed the temple. You know about that from history, right? All right. Now, notice here it says, and the people of the prince that shall come. Well, who were the people that destroyed Israel, uh, Jerusalem and the temple after Christ had come and presented himself as a Messiah? Well, that would be the Romans, right? Correct. Uh, whether you know it or not, that would be the correct answer. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So that would be the Romans. So watch, watch the way this is phrased here. And the people of the prince that shall come. There is a, a wannabe ruler of the world, a, a prince that is going to come, but he will be from the same people that destroyed Jerusalem and the temple in 70 A.D., this is why we know that even though the Roman Empire uh, wasn't exactly conquered, you can't point to a date that it died like Babylon. It, it just kind of went out of existence as far as running the world. But the, but the Roman Empire is very much still present all over, especially the Mediterranean world and the Western world, you know, the Roman way of doing things. So it's like the Roman Empire, I said last week, it's like it's in a coma, but it, but it revives, it resuscitates, and there will be a future Roman Empire. So I don't believe that. Uh, then you'd be wrong, because this says, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Well, that was the Romans. So there is a prince yet future who's going to come and he will be from these same people we believe that he will arise from the mediterranean world because the roman empire not only uh uh included obviously vast parts of what we know of today as europe but it also uh went across north africa and through what we call the middle east today Sort of like the Mediterranean was like a Roman lake, is what it amounts to. And from this region somewhere, there will be a wannabe that's going to arise. And as I said at the start, he's more or less a sock puppet wannabe for, for the ultimate wannabe, Lucifer, who wants to rule through him and receive the worship of the world through the Antichrist. All right, now we have unpacked a lot right here just in these last few minutes. So there will yet be a future 
uh, Roman Empire prince, so to speak, from those same borders that will arise. And it's interesting that today there's a massive push for a global government. And I believe that ultimately, this may just be the early beginnings or we may be way along. I kind of feel like we're way along in this process. But regardless of the timing, ultimately, I believe that what we're seeing put in place all over the world will be the global government that this Antichrist, the beast, ultimately controls to be worshipped himself, but because he's indwelt by Satan at a certain point, it will, it will really be Satan being worshipped by the world. And I know if you've never heard anything I'm talking about before, your synapses are firing in your brain like, what is all of this about? Well, uh, you're late to the game, so you've got a lot of catching up to do. And I can't fix that in one podcast. But uh, I'm just telling you what we have always known from just studying Scripture. Now, if people have been too busy to study Scripture and they don't understand this, that's on them. So let's read 26 again. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. So this future world leader that we call the Antichrist, that is called the beast, this wannabe, this sock puppet wannabe, I would say, he is going to make a covenant with Israel for one week. Okay, so what is that? Well, remember, it's a week of years. So there will be a seven-year covenant. And boom, there's your missing seven years. We've got 483 years we've already seen that, that are fulfilled already. But there's been a gap, and that gap is the church age, where a, a new thing God has done is create the church, the body of Christ made up of saved Jewish people and saved non-Jewish people. It is a new creation of God that was not foreseen by the Old Testament prophets because God did not show it to them. It was a mystery. That is, it was concealed until God revealed it or unveiled it in the ministry of Christ in the New Testament and the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. Now, once again, if you've been out playing hooky, playing video games and being totally immersed in this world system, once again, your ignorance is showing. You're going like, what are you talking about? Again, that's not on me. I've been studying scripture and many others have too. But if if you're late to class, you better get to studying the Bible El Quico. Okay? Because this future world leader is going to make a seven-year, so you add those seven years right here, one week, each day is a, is a year. They're heptads. Uh, I'm not even going into that, but it's seven years. 
In the middle of that, what is that? That's three and a half days, right? That's three and a half years. So in the last half of those seven years, that is what the Lord Jesus Christ himself called the Great Tribulation. So there's a tribulation period that's seven years, but the last half of it, the last 42 months, are the Great Tribulation where this peace treaty is broken by this beast who has tried to pass himself off as the savior of Israel. And now he becomes Israel's greatest enemy in the middle of that seven-year covenant. And you see that in the book of the Revelation and so on. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That's you know, seven years. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. So there has to be a temple with temple sacrifices being offered, and there's no temple in Israel right now in Jerusalem. But there, every, let me put it like this, the Temple Mount Institute, or I think now it's called the Temple Institute, they say that every single thing that needs to be prepared in order to reinstitute temple worship and the sacrifices, and just like it used to be, in the Old Testament, that they've got it all ready. All they need is the temple. So keep your eyes on Jerusalem. In the future, we don't know when, if certain people there had their way, they would build it right now. But in the future, there will be a new temple there, and it is to this temple that the Antichrist will go and declare that he is God. Now, we're going to have to break all of this out in other episodes, I know, but you're getting the the 50,000-foot overfly view of this, and then we'll get into detail in other episodes. So we see, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations. This is where he demands worship, sitting in the temple of God, saying that he is God and he is to be worshipped. That's what Paul said in the New Testament. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, <laughs> we have seen um, at least uh, 2,500 years worth of history unveiled in what we've read here. And we don't know how much farther we've got to go, but we have covered the ground of 2,500 years right here in this episode. I don't understand it all, Ed. I don't understand it all either. And there were different points at which Daniel did not understand it all. And you'll see that as we go forward in Daniel and look at a few more passages there. But I want you to hang with me because if you can get the basic idea of the book of Daniel, that's the key to understanding Bible prophecy for the future. And in fact, I'm going to give two gold stars today that you can put on the wall there because you have stayed with me all the way to the end of this podcast. And you know what? 
you now understand this better than 99.99% of the people in the entire world because they're not reading the Bible, but, but you are. You see what I'm saying? Now, with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know for certain how your eternity will turn out. You don't have to guess or wonder or hope so. Instead of following Satan and the Antichrist and being condemned to an eternal hell, you can follow Jesus Christ and be welcomed into heaven and eternity with God. Now, if you want to know more about how to do that, how to be sure of that, write this number down. I'm going to say it twice. 877-247-2426. 877-247-2426. Call that number and someone will help you place your faith in Christ or grow in your faith and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, I thank you for listening today. And um, I, I need your help. I want you to subscribe or follow this podcast. And I want you to blast it out right from where you're living, uh, listening. Rather, You can share it to social media and email and so forth. So I want you to help me be a missionary for Christ with me and help get out the word so that we can uh, do an end run around big tech and people can continue to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening today. Tell others to listen at www.dredhill.podbean.com. The host site for this week in the Word. Have a great week. Bye-bye.